0: This is the Mormon Mixed-Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach, Brooke Booth, episode number 81. This week's topic is a challenging one. However, as you may have noticed, I don't exactly shy away from hard topics too often, so I'm not going to do that today either. This topic's been on my periphery for some time, but recently I was able to really name it. And hone in on it. And I want to talk about it here too, because I'm guessing you're probably aware of it to a cer- certain degree too. I'm guessing it's been on your periphery too, and maybe you haven't been able to name it and define it yet. And what the topic is, is that of religious discrimination. I want to tell you a quick story. Years ago, like 20, I was in law school. And I was taking a class about race and equality and prejudice and things like that. And I would come home from this class and talk to my husband about it. We were newlyweds at the time. Like there were so many things that were taught in this class that I'd never realized or conceptualized or understood. And it was kind of blowing my brain up in good ways. And I wanted to discuss it with him. So I'd come home and I'd say things and he would get so upset. He'd get super defensive and rather upset when we had these conversations because, and probably rightly so, he felt like I was attacking him and his position of being, you know, a white male and the privilege that comes with that. And in full disclosure, maybe I was doing that, but that wasn't what was getting me so excited and interested in the topic. I was fascinated by this idea that I was learning that. And that's what I want to preface this podcast with this idea that we're all biased or prejudicial in some way. All of us, because we live in a society that's saturated with these things. We live in a society that's racist or misogynist or discriminates based on religion or ageism or body size or ableism, any number of things. We live in a society that has these prejudices and biases built into it systematically and structurally and, and then also on an individual level. And so we all are, to a certain extent, racist or discriminating based on religion or misogyny or any number of things and it was fascinating to have this idea presented to me because of course and that was the challenge my husband faced is I'd come home and I'd say you're a racist and he'd be like no I'm not but the idea I want to start off with is we all are and that's okay that is because of our society and our socialization, and not because we're choosing as individuals to be racist, because we're nasty, evil, mean creatures. It's just by default of, you know, the air that we breathe. And it doesn't make you a bad person or morally inferior or dumb or ignorant. It just means you're a human who's been socialized in our society. Now with that basis, I want to talk about religious discrimination because I like to bring this awareness to it because you're never going to fully solve for it but you can at least bring up your own awareness around it and you can work on it and decide what you want to do about it if anything you don't have to do anything if you don't want to All I'm doing in this podcast with religious discrimination is, hey, let's go in the room and turn the light on and see what's there. And if we want to move the furniture or dust things off or just have a look around, this isn't to beat yourself up. This isn't to beat up your spouse or your in-laws or church leaders. It's just to create awareness around how religious discrimination might be impacting you and more specifically, how it might be impacting your marriage and or your happiness in your marriage. So religious discrimination can happen between any two or more religions, often where one of those religions is a dominant religion and, or, and oppresses and or persecutes members of the other religion. Now, those of us who were raised in the LDS church were very familiar with religious discrimination, We have heard countless stories about this. It's our history. It's our legacy. Like our pioneer stories, starting in Palmyra, moving to Kirtland, and then Missouri and far west and Nauvoo are all embedded with these types of stories. I mean, every single move in the earliest days of the church was because of religious discrimination culminating into the famous trek west, you know, led by Brigham Young, all centered around religious discrimination. And we call it persecution, religious persecution, but it's the same thing. So I know we're familiar with the idea of religious discrimination received by members historically of the church. And I will refer you to any July 24th talk or history lesson to find Loads and loads of examples on that. And frankly, I can refer you to many sacrament meeting talks to talk about how that discrimination still plays into the present. Maybe you're being teased in the office for not drinking coffee, or maybe you're being teased for waiting until you're 16 today, or teased for any number of things. All examples of religious discrimination. But I want to talk about it in a broader context here because I think it plays out in our mixed faith marriages. Now I want to give a shout out to Carl Lundtile. Many of these examples I'm about to share of religious discrimination come from her work. She's a confidence coach for women and her work is, is excellent. So when there's a mixed faith marriage because of a faith transition, it often means now there's an opportunity for religious discrimination to happen in the marriage like never before. Because now we've got two people on two different sides of a religious street. And so, you know, the opportunity for religious discrimination presents itself. And a lot of times it feels like, it depends on the dynamics of the larger family, I'll give you that, but it can feel like the members of the church become now the dominant group and those who have left the church or who have had a faith transition become like the marginalized group. But I want you to consider that it's much more complex than just that. It's not just spouse against spouse or members against post-members or post-Mormons or anything like that. But the discrimination can take place on so many levels. Um, those in a mixed faith marriage and those not. Uh, mainstream members of the church and marginalized members. I'm um, like once you are in a mixed faith marriage, sometimes that by default makes you a marginalized member and there can be different privileges associated with being, you know, in the mainstream of the church and being in the margins. And I'm not saying that this is all like based on some sort of evil plan. It's not what I'm saying, but sometimes There are things that come up, prejudice and biases that come up without us even realizing it because of the inherent discrimination present. And we'll talk more about that. So it can also be, you know, between spouses, between, you know, mainstream and marginalized members of the church. You sometimes see this in family systems. You know, that's what we call black sheep. <laughs> that's that's just another way of saying that or people who um are no longer following, you know, the the main rules of a family structure. All of this can be happening. So let me go through what discrimination can sound like and again this is just in a general way because both partners. And then, like I said, there are much other, um, other systems and ways that discrimination can be present as well. And it can be helpful to get curious about that, but I'm just going to focus right now on between the spouses with these examples. So both the transitioning spouse and the believing spouse can be involved in exercising their own discrimination without even realizing it. Here's examples of the believing Our religion is the only true religion, and all other religions are false and or sinful. Our religion is moral and virtuous, and members of other religions are sinful or wrong or misguided or don't have the full truth. Religious people are moral. Atheists are immoral because a person cannot be moral or ethical without religion. And it doesn't always have to be atheists. It can just be people who've left the church aren't as moral. Religious belief is required to be a good person. Religious beliefs centered around, you know, Mormon doctrine is what's required to be a good person. It can be at that level too. So atheists are bad people or people who don't adhere or subscribe to Mormon doctrine are bad people. And again, we don't say it specifically like that, but this is certainly what's embedded. Members of our religion are moral. Members of other religions are immoral. Our religious beliefs make sense and are rational. Other religious beliefs are nonsensical or silly. Members of our religion are all individuals who deserve to be considered as, as such. Members of other religions are all similar in certain ways and represent all of their fellow believers. Now, I share that list not to point fingers and say, shame on you for being religious discrimination people. That is not my purpose. My purpose in sharing that list is to bring awareness for how there may be discrimination happening in your marriage. And so you can have awareness around that and decide if anything, if you want to do anything about that. Now, I also want to suggest that like this religious discrimination is a two-way street and the transitioning spouse can also be discriminating against the believing spouse And they want to give examples of that, and they're going to sound very similar. Your religious beliefs don't make sense, you're you're not rational, it's silly to believe. Post Mormons are individuals who deserve to be considered as such, members of the church are all similar in certain ways and represent all of their fellow believers. Post Mormons are aware and less judgmental. Mormons are judgy and exclusive of others or inclusive as a group. You are blind to keep believing and supporting the church in light of what has been disclosed. It's immoral to support a church that does those things. And on and on and on. So it's interesting to start to be aware of these biases that we may be carrying with us without being fully aware of it until we slow down and have a list like this presented to us then we can start to look at that and get curious and say, okay, is this helping my marriage? Is this hurting my marriage? What's going on here? I also want to present another list. This one's much shorter. And this is something I alluded to earlier, is sometimes there's discrimination against just being in a mixed faith marriage. You know, a mixed faith marriage is not as strong. A mixed faith marriage confuses the kids. A mixed faith marriage is not as easy or as good those can also be systems of belief that we have that are inherently discriminatory. Now, what's so interesting about these lists is that they can, without being aware of them, we can be running on these belief systems without really understanding that we're running on these belief systems. I hope that makes sense. Like we can be discriminating against our spouse without without wanting to, but because we're not aware of these belief systems, we are. We can be discriminating against ourselves because of these belief systems without realizing we are. Now this happens all of the time with people who have phase transitions. Is that the discrimination now becomes internalized, and they use it against themselves? It's all my fault. I ruined this. I'm, I mean, I should, I should have to do most of the work here because I'm the one who changed the rules. These are all ways that we internalize our own religious discrimination. I want to offer a few cautions when you start to see some of this surfacing in your life and in your marriage. People who discriminate are not evil or bad. Sometimes we have this belief like people who discriminate are evil and bad and should be punished. But then we just start discriminating against discriminators. And a lot of times that's us. Like I said at the very beginning, like we are in these systems and participating, oftentimes unknowingly, but we are, and and I don't think punishing or calling it evil and judging it is always helpful. I think the first step is to let's bring awareness to it and take a look and decide if we want to keep functioning in that system, if we want to keep fueling those beliefs, if we want to keep believing those things, or if we want to let them go. And sometimes when we start to see this, we sort of say, well, I'm going to I have the moral high ground. I'm in a better, superior position. And again, I would watch out for that too, because it just sets up another form of discrimination. So, the reason I share this with you is to start to open the door to that awareness. Because sometimes in our mixed faith marriages, There's so much hopelessness and powerlessness and pain because of the inherent discrimination we're either feeling from our spouse or from ourselves or from our extended family members or from our church members or from post-Mormons, any number of people, that it can really compound the hopelessness and powerlessness that we're experiencing. And I want you to consider that, like, yes, can we accept that discrimination exists It's real. Like we know from our history, we know from our present experience, but where I like, when we start to have awareness of it, now we can start to have power over it. We can start to make decisions outside of it. That discrimination no longer has to define me or my marriage. I have a say in the outcome here. I'm glad to be aware of the impacts or the potential impacts of this discrimination so I can work on that and have awareness around that and create, you know, solutions around that. Yes, I see that my marriage may not be the norm. It's a mixed faith marriage. Excuse me. But I can still have a good marriage. I'm willing to bring awareness to this and do the work to have a good marriage. I know there are happy mixed faith marriages out there, and I know I can have one too. When we really bring light to this, instead of being at the effect of it without seeing it and feeling hopeless and powerless and stuck and frustrated, when we start to shine light on it, to open that door and turn the light on and see what's in the room, Now we can take some of our power back and decide, okay, what do I want to do with this information in my marriage? I accept that it exists, but I know it doesn't have to define me and I know it doesn't have to control my marriage or the outcomes of my marriage. Now we're stepping to a place of power. Now we're stepping to a place of control of things you can control your own thoughts, your own beliefs, your own feelings, your own actions in your marriage and as a partner in your marriage. And I think that's the power of this work. And that's the importance of looking at these types of belief systems. Again, I'll be really, really blunt with this. It's not to disparage people or call them prejudiced or biased or wrong or evil. That's not the purpose of this conversation purpose of this conversation is to bring awareness to how you may be complicit with these systems and how that might be hurting you or your spouse or your marriage, and how you might want to bring awareness to that so that that isn't happening anymore, so that you're not at the effect of your socialization, but that you can create what you want in your marriage and with your spouse and in your life in a really intentional, conscious way. I think that's the power of having conversations like this. Again, I know this isn't an easy topic, but I really think it's an important one. And I think it's important to question, okay, how am I discriminating religiously against my spouse, against myself, against my family members, against my ward members, against whoever? How might they be discriminating against me? And what do I want to do about that? All right. If this is a topic you'd like to go deeper in, as always, reach out to me at brookboothcoaching.com. And let's, if you want to do some coaching with me, this is a topic we can go as deep as you like in the one-on-one sessions or the group sessions. All right. Wishing you the best.